0: We Sober Now, baby. Hi, my name is Ronnie and welcome to the We Sober Now podcast, your destination, quote unquote, for a holistic perspective on recovery, sobriety and personal growth. Today, I am honestly really excited because I have a special guest. Her name is Amber, and uh, she recently celebrated two years of living clean and sober, and that's thanks to her journey with a 12-step program. So in this episode, we're gonna dive deep into Amber's story from her experiences trying to fit in during early childhood with her sisters, uh, the struggles that she faced with meth addiction, And then, of course, we'll also explore that immense transformation that happens and her personal evolution when it comes to her sobriety journey. But as of all, Amber is a survivor. Uh, She's a thriving mom, a beacon of love and a prominent leader in this community of recovery. So I'm really, really excited uh, so that you can, like, just listen to our chat, bro. (laughs) Are we good here? Yeah, you're recording on All right. One, two, three. We sober now, baby. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. I know that's right. Today is a very intimate and special program. Thank you so much to Amber. She's joining me today. She's gonna to be sharing her story with me. Um, and I'm really excited because it's like a very intimate setup. So we're like very uh, just close and intimate. But I think that's a lot of what kind of goes down in sobriety, right? You have to be really vulnerable and intimate with not only yourself, but people around you. So go ahead and introduce yourself. And give us the tea, baby. What, what's going on? <laughs> um,
1: I'm Amber. I just celebrated two years sober. Um, and I work in recovery and didn't plan on doing that. Um, I ended up getting in trouble and, um, when I was using. And I can't do it with them right there. <laughs>
0: Our very special live (laughs) audience.
1: (laughs) No, I can't.
0: No, you can't. I can't. Okay.
1: I told Ronnie before I couldn't do it with you guys there.
0: Oh, can you guys go behind the curtain?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're bad. We'll go to
0: the casino. We'll see y'all there. Where do you want us? Over
1: here, behind you. I don't
0: know. Well, oh, just not straight <laughs> up looking at us like eating our souls. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, that's good. That's well, fine. I
1: mean, there's I'm so sorry. To
0: go. We'll be done like in 45 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> right this here. is good, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it Was it just me? or what? Sorry. I don't know. No, you're good, babe. Girl, it's
0: your stage right now, huh? No, it's just for the people that are probably listening (laughs) or watching...
1: He said he would edit this out, by the way.
0: No, I want to keep this in. It's funny. (laughs) Because it's so extra. Like, I'm so dead ass. Like, I got two lights and a fucking grease screen. So it's like... I'm sweating right now. Like, what did... Actually, what did he think? How did you think this was going to look like? Did you think that you were just coming over to, like, I was put up the phone or what? I
1: don't know. Like, Like, I, I was not this nervous when I spoke at a meeting and there was a ton of people. I don't know. The lights probably... Yeah, I think it's the yeah. lights. Yeah, I
0: still <laughs> I still get kind of nervous too, especially like if this is my first time talking to them, but thank God it's not. Yeah. And if it was my first time talking to you, I probably wouldn't be this close yeah. to you. So it's, <laughs> so it's, hey, that's my husband. So it's okay. <laughs> and yeah, we got the producers in a bag, so I think we might go eat later or something, you know, the blessings of sobriety. But anyway, back to Amber. So you just celebrated two whole-ass years. In a
1: row. In a row, yeah. No cheats, no, no cheats. like, no
0: a little little freebies. No,
1: nothing. No, there was, a, there was an instance where I had kind of given up. I was living in sober living at the time, and um, we were out celebrating a friend's birthday with like some normie friends that I had, and I actually ordered a drink. Mm-hmm. Like fully intending to drink an alcoholic beverage when I was about three months sober. And the bartender didn't hear or like what I had said and actually gave me like a non alcoholic beverage. And I was like, Well, if that's not like God trying to tell me something, like I don't know what it is, and I didn't end up drinking that that's, night.
0: That's insane. Yeah,
1: it was. It was pretty insane. <laughs>
0: so that was a God shot. Yeah, that for was sure, definitely right?
1: yeah non-alcoholic gotcha (laughs) you're like fuck
0: I guess I'll drink this whack-ass drink I'm just kidding no that's cool that's really awesome so you're like okay I guess now I won't right
1: yeah it was it was like there's just that moment that I needed to like make that decision that bad decision but then it turned it turned out to work out so Mm -hmm. I would have 18 months still if I had gotten back on but yeah that was the That's one crazy. close time.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is your first time doing this, like trying to stay sober or what? Or what? Um,
1: so I got sober originally when I was 22. Um, mm-hmm. I was using meth in high school to lose weight um, mostly. And uh, within a year or two, I had gotten to the point where I was I got homeless within a year or two. Um, I ended up getting sober uh, for 13 years. Mm. And then started taking Adderall and going faster and faster through the prescription and eventually it just it wasn't enough I knew the high that I was chasing and that was the meth that I had done before Mm -hmm. so I just went out and found it Um, in fact (laughs) I was helping a friend move and uh, I found a bag on the ground in an apartment complex and I was like oh I'm just going to pick this up and I'm going to take this home and you know so some kids don't find this I was like I was saving the children
0: oh shit (laughs) That's crazy. And it was in
1: my purse for about a week, and I remembered that it was in there, and I was like, hmm, well, maybe I'll just do it for this weekend. Uh,
0: how did that and work then, out? And
1: <laughs> then it didn't. It no. didn't. Um, after that weekend turned into a week, a week turned into a month, a month turned into a year, and six years later, um, I had been going for that long. So it so. sounds like you like being very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meth was absolutely my thing. Uh, the thing I didn't the reason I didn't ever do opiates was um, my sisters were actually in addiction for a long period of time and they scared me a lot going in and out of ICU in the hospital and so it just was never an option for me. but I'm sure that if I did end up trying it, it I would be dead. I would be gone.
0: so you've you've experienced addiction before you encountered like your own right so you've you were seeing it before like Absolutely. within your family.
1: yes so my sisters are um at least 10 years older than me i've i had three older sisters i have two now one of them passed away this last year mm-hmm. um But uh, they were all on opiates before I even got my driver's license. Um, They were all alcoholics. I remember the day I got my driver's license, they were like, hey, uh, you know, 2 a.m., come pick us up from the bar. And my mom would allow it. Like, I'd be 16 walking into the bar to go pick my sister's up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I saw them at a very, very young age. Um, And I never really got to know them, like, as people, because from what I remember, they've always been addicts. Um. It wasn't until my one sister got sober for about a year when I was in my late 20s that I actually got to know my sister and find out what kind of person she was. And uh, that was the sister that ended up passing away this last year. So I'm so sorry to hear that. It's okay.
0: Yeah, that's insane. You went through that in sobriety, right? hmm
1: I did. Um, uh, when I found out, it's funny, my first thought was um, this would be a good reason for you to go out. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody would blame you if this is the reason that you used to go use. And thankfully, I was in my right mind at that that day. And I was like, I can't. I have to be there for my family. And that's just a cop-out. You yeah. Know?
0: That's incredibly powerful. Like, I <laughs> honestly, I, I can't imagine. I'm like, that's one of my biggest fears is to go through, like, a significant death. Because, like you said, like instinct, like, if I think about it, I would definitely have that type of quote-unquote reservation like oh like would they even blame me for doing it so the fact that you so how did you not do it like what what made you decide to be like you know what I'm not going to relapse over this
1: um it was it was a power struggle um it went on for a few days um but having to be the support or having to be like the strength in my family that everybody turned to at that moment and me being in a position of being sober at that point and, and my family knowing that I could be someone to turn to what kind of saved me from being in my own head because I was so focused on, um, now being the support that they needed. Mm -hmm. Um, especially my, my other sister who was very close to my sister that passed away. Um, she was still using or what I believe to be is still using at that point. So she, yeah, she definitely now to this day, turns to me for support so how does
0: it feel being that like figure though always being looked at for like support or guidance has it always been that way no
1: it's not i I (laughs) it's weird i actually i um just before i came here tonight i went and visited my parents and i i brought them each my two-year chip because i went all week and got my chip so i brought them each a keychain because i do ca and um Just the fact that I went over there and they were both in, like, the room with me and they both grabbed a chair and, like, sat in front of me and were asking me questions and, like, um, just the way that, like they just want to communicate with me and they like eat up all the time that they can with me. Cause they know I'm work, I'm working I'm busy and I'm living far away now from them. Don't really get to see them, but it's, it's different being that person that they turn to. Um, you know, my mom's getting older. My dad's getting older. My dad has uh, smoldering bone marrow cancer right now. And so the fact that they're like, Hey, here's our paperwork for the mortuary. Like we've paid for our grave plots and they're like handing me all these documentations. Like, you need to make sure you take care of this when we pass away. Like, I'm the point of like responsible contact now. You mm-hmm. need to make sure you take care of our sister of your sister when we pass away. Like those kind of things that they would have never entrusted me with before. So, yeah. Is that overwhelming? <laughs> like a little bit? Um, no. It it's it feels good. It's actually like I don't know. It's it's weird, but it's definitely not overwhelming. It just feels like love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe overwhelming love. But It's good. Yeah.
0: Well, it's clear that you've been through a journey, so <laughs> I want sure. you to take me a little bit way back. I want to understand who little Amber was. A little
1: Amber. Oh, so my like, gosh.
0: Just give us a little quick backstory. Oh, my goodness. On, um, on your little life back in the day <laughs> and how you got here. Wow.
1: Um, little Amber was the youngest of four girls. Um, and like I said, my, my, I have three older sisters so um, that are more than 10 years older than me. So um, I was the only one between my mom and my dad. They were, were married both before, and um, my sisters actually met in, I think, first or second grade. And that's how my parents met each other, was, like, my mom used to babysit my my other sister. And, um, I don't know, I just was the youngest, and I was always, like, looking up to them. Like, uh, one of them was, like, prom queen. Um, the other one was uh, just so beautiful and like, I always wanted to be part of them, but I was always, always like the little chunky sister, you know? And like, I think that's where they, like the like selfishness or whatever, not, not fitting in started Mm -hmm. was with them. Um, looking up to them and not, not being able to be them. So, um, but I had a, a decent like life i wish i had an excuse but the the fact of the matter is it is that no matter like what happens to us we still have we still have the disease you know mm-hmm. um i can't really blame it on like not fitting in cuz i think everybody feels that way at some certain point in time of like not fitting in or you know i feel like i was bullied for my weight um but again like that's not we can hang on to that but that's not the real reason why you know i'm an addict at least that's what i believe you know mm-hmm.
0: No, I relate to that a lot. Um, like, for me, like, I I like to think of it, like, sometimes I feel guilty, and, like, even my husband makes fun of me, says I'm a baby addict. Because <laughs> I honestly did grow up very, um, I feel like I had, for the most part, a good childhood. So there wasn't, like, really a, like, justified reason, I would say, that I, like, ended up abusing a copious amount of drugs. <laughs> um, but... I think a lot of it for me had to do with like that's just the way that I was able to drown out the noise and still feel capable of doing everything at once. So it was like basically a coping mechanism that I used and I fell for. Um but yeah, I had a pretty good childhood too. Like I didn't I mean I went through my own shit, right? And like in sobriety, I'm able to see how that plays and how that played a role. Like you mentioned. You, like, kind of, like, looked at your sisters, like, you kind of wanted to be a part of that, right? And was that, like, your first feeling of wanting to be a part of?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I was always, like, too young to tag along, you know, or, like, um, I, you know, I tried to be, like, the whole dare thing, you know? Like, when you're—I I don't know if, you, if you're if you too young to do dare. Or... No, I did dare. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it's, like, you go through dare, and it's, like— um, It's like they're like, don't do drugs. And you're like, okay, don't do drugs, right? And I just remember a situation where um, my friends had stolen some cigarettes from their parents and they were at the park and they wanted to... um smoke these cigarettes right and I was like no we shouldn't do that guys like I don't want to do that and like come to find out because I said that um, I wasn't invited to like the sleepover party that they had over the weekend and I like at that moment I'm like I'm never saying no again like I'm never going to be the person that like Neville Longbottoms like he <laughs> stands up to their friends you know I'm not going to be that person anymore so um, yeah that's that was the turning point for sure But
0: I know that sounds silly, like
1: cigarettes,
0: but it's like... I don't know. I always think back to, like, signs that... I don't know how to explain it, right? But, like, looking back when I never touched drugs, there's things that I would do that I see now the whole time I was, like... which, Which, basically, the drugs fix when I use them, right? So, like, there was times for school, like... I would be so nervous to go to school or like if I didn't understand like whatever they were teaching us, I would like leave the class and I would feel so shitty about myself. So when I started getting high, it fixed all of that for me, quote unquote fixed. And those are some signs that I started like seeing, right? Like that's why I uh, used a lot because I was very fearful. I wanted to feel enough and the drugs really made me feel, either they made me feel like I was enough or they made me just like not give a fuck. Like it just wasn't as a relevant thing in my head to think about. So can you tell me like, the actually tell me the first time that you did a hardcore drug. Like how, how was your introduction to meth?
1: <laughs> so I know that this sounds awful, but like I, I think I was like a junior in high school and it was just like, hey, try this. And I was like, cool. Like, again, like, after that point, like, I just didn't say no to anything. Um, I really didn't like, I tried weed when I was, like, a freshman. I really didn't like it. I was super paranoid on it. Um, I did like alcohol. I did Mm -hmm. drink. Um, I was caught at a party in high school. In the middle of the day in school, um, the cops, like, showed up and had to bring me back to, um, (laughs) to campus. That was the first time I ever rode in the back of a cop car, um, But, like, meth happened pretty early for me. It was, like, alcohol, meth. And then, like, everything else, like, I dabbled in a lot, but it had always been meth from that point. I think probably the connection that it had to, like, losing weight and having energy, which I struggle with both, you know. Um, I later found out, or I was later diagnosed with ADHD, so it makes sense of why it kind of helped me and why I latched onto it so much, because it helped quiet my mind. Mm-hmm. um so that was a big reason too but yeah it was just like hey try this and okay you know um I realized really quickly like like I said the first time I did it within a year or two I was home I became homeless and and I quit but like I don't think I ever resolved any of the issues inside of me to actually like stay sober so yeah, that
0: makes sense Yeah, that's a big thing for me too even now like the, the fatigue I don't know if it's um that's one thing that the opiates really helped me with was I was just so down to do anything like I was so ready I felt like in my flow I was never tired and now even still I mean granted I could probably do other things to like mediate my fatigue like probably not eat what I'm about to eat in an hour <laughs> um or like sleep better exercise all that shit but the fact of the matter is I don't, okay? And I struggle with being exhausted. Like it's one of the things that really the drugs really helps me for a while, because they shouldn't last long. Helps me like, ugh, you know, and like I also lost a lot of weight and like I was just I was just always ready to do
1: anything yeah. on drugs. It's like it's like uh, like pseudo energy, mm-hmm. like loving like loving life energy you know but it's really you're just loving the moment you're loving the feeling Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and when was the so you're loving the feeling (laughs) but when was it that you're like holy shit (laughs) i think this could be a problem bitch yeah
1: (laughs) i knew i knew it was a problem um you know obviously i was i'd just gotten out of high school um when i became homeless that first time and it was like okay i have a problem i remember calling my dad letting him know i had just been robbed um, I woke up and all my shit was gone. Right.
0: You were homeless and they robbed your ass.
1: <laughs> well, I was staying. I was like in a friend's room. I didn't actually have like a home, but I was in a yeah. staying in a friend's room. There was like just a mattress on the floor, like nothing else in the room. And I woke up and all of my stuff was gone. Um, so I called my dad. This was when I was nineteen. So I called my dad at that point. Um, I was. I told him what happened. I told him I didn't have anything, and he was like, "Come home." And so I did, and that's the first time I got sober. But. Um, in no way during those 13 years that I stopped using at that point uh, was I clean from alcohol. Like, I drank a lot during that period of time, but I never touched meth until 13 years later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. no, I, I did that, too. Hmm. Well, I, I didn't do meth. I did meth once, but what I'm saying was, like, <laughs> I—well, I didn't do it as long as you know, girl. I was, like, <laughs> clean from—there was this one time I did, like, six months, but I was, like, drinking Sprite vodkas, like— And then i wake up the next day and go to the AA meeting. I feel so guilty. (laughs) But I'm like, well, that's not my problem though. Like alcohol never fucked me up like that. So like I should be fine. But eventually I think the guilt that I felt and just like the, the act of doing something that made me escape Mm -hmm. really ultimately caught up to me, which is why I don't think I can responsibly, I don't think I can ever do anything like that responsibly, but it, it always leads up to it. So so it took you a minute, right? Like you, you were able to stay uh, off meth for thirteen years, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that was during the time that I like raised my kid. Mm. So I got married. I had, I had a son. Um, I got divorced. I got remarried again. So he's older now. When I decide that, you know, he's spending weeks with my mom, I find that bag of drugs on the ground. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to remember like when this was. I was like. 35 I don't know so like five years ago Mm -hmm. so um I find the bag of drugs on the ground and and my kid's old enough now to like kind of make his own food and take care of himself and you know this little bag that I found replaced the Adderall and it's getting more and more and more of a problem and uh, you know (laughs) there's so much in those six years to unpack but um I ended up you know Losing my job that I had at the time, I ended up selling the drugs to, you know, to try to support my habit Um, with selling drugs came getting in trouble. Um, So I ended up doing six months in jail. Mm. So that was the only six month period of time that I got sober. Um, And then I got out of jail, started using again. Um, The only thing that got me to stop was uh, probation, was fear of going back to jail after I had spent those six months. Um, my probation agreement was that, um, if I couldn't complete probation that I would be spending two and a half years in prison. So that's That's when it got serious for me. Yeah.
0: How is jail?
1: (laughs) Um, Estrella, uh, that was, that was, um, an experience. It was (laughs) daily. Um, I was in the uh, working dorm. So daily we would go to work. We'd work these 12 hour days, come back do it all over again um you would only get like new clothes if you worked the food was awful uh thankfully I had some people that were on the house that would send in money for me so I could have commissary and it but yeah it was an awful experience I would not recommend it (laughs) I mean people that um you know like are refusing to go to rehab or don't want to go to rehab or thinking about going to rehab jail is so much worse man like I mean (laughs) I you know I try to talk to my clients and tell them like hey like give your best to this, like give yourself a chance to do this. Because if not like jail, prison or death is like the next step, you know?
0: I mean, that's, that's real shit. Like you you literally can end up in, in any of those situations. Right. Um, I get a lot of messages from like parents that don't understand. Um, they're just confused right They're Like, well, like my, let's just say like my daughter keeps relapsing on meth. Like does she not love me? Like, how would you answer that? I don't know how to answer that. Like
1: Wow. Well, that that's a lot to unpack. Um, so, I mean, it's not that they don't love you. Um, it's that they're so uncomfortable, or in my situation, I was so uncomfortable with myself that anything on the outside of me didn't matter. Um, I just wanted to feel better, and I would do anything it took to feel better. And when you find a drug like meth... Um, being high like you're better like instantly better um I really don't know how to explain that but it's just it's not that they don't matter it's just that feeling better matters more Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah like for me like I the opiates like it gets for me it got to a point where I just wanted to feel okay and Mm -hmm. like my brain was just rewired to prioritize the substance and it it is sad and it's really hard to describe to parents because It's they like, I definitely still loved my mom, and I still, it's only been like four years, but I used to rob her, right? Like, I used to fucking, (laughs) you know, I just do the most. And it's so crazy, like, cause it's only been, I mean, I know four years is a lot, but for comparison to the amount of of time that I was using drugs, it's just like, damn, like, I can't believe, like, I was four years ago doing all that shit. Like it's it's insane and it's and it's so easy to go back, right?
1: Well, for sure.
0: For sure. For sure. Like no one. I. I mean, I personally don't think that I, I. I can be responsible and like do things. And I know that it's very quick for me to go back to that.
1: And like it's what? so easy. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see somebody the way somebody's walking down the street, and you you know what drug they do. And if you ask them, they can find it for you. It's that easy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so easy. That's, That's sad.
0: It is really sad, especially, like, I don't know, like, if I just see it more now. But I see just people on the streets and I and I just know that they're struggling um, mm-hmm. and they need help. And I just w- wish that we, as a society, would approach that issue a little bit more... Um, Just differently, right? Because I think a lot of people see the people that are on the streets as, like, bad people, when in reality they just really, truly need help. And at the end of the day, those are, that's someone's son, that's someone's mom. um, Absolutely. And they just need help, you know? So you went to jail, right? I did, yes. And then you got out of jail. I got out of jail. And you were you using it again?
1: So, yeah. So when I got out of jail, it was February of 2020. So mm-hmm. you remember what was going on in 2020. So mm-hmm. it was actually February that they actually announced the whole, like, lockdown, right, for COVID. And, um, <laughs> and so it's like, it's like I met my probation officer one time, and then they were like, okay, it's COVID. Here's the paper that you send in every month. And you have to send in the uh, the dollar amount. Uh-huh. So bet your ass, like <laughs> I had those papers filled out, pre-filled out yeah. for the next 12 months. And all I had to do was set a reminder on my phone to mail them in with this, with this, you know, with the check or with money order or whatever. And like that probation was easy. I just had to find a job that I could like keep and, mm-hmm. you know, and I did and, I, you know, went back to doing what I used to do for money. And, you know, it's just, it's. It's easy.
0: And you were using?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But as soon as it was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember timelines here. It's hard. Girl, I forget too.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm like, y'all expect me to remember when I was doing drugs, like the whole story, well, girl. I, I
1: mean, yeah, I guess on well, my sobriety day, you know, near my sobriety date. So, yeah. So sometime in January, um, I, I pissed somebody off. I pissed my roommate off. I did something. And I don't even remember what it was. But they were like, you got to go. Um and sure as shit, like I got kicked out, I had to leave, and like an hour later my probation officer calls me. So apparently I pissed her off to the point where she actually called my PO and was like, she's using. Damn. So yeah, so and I I actually caught COVID at that time too. So I had COVID. I was now homeless living in my car, and now my PO calls me and she knows I'm using and I'm like, This is it. This is it. <laughs> I can't use anymore. I'm done. So you stopped after that? I stopped.
0: How is a meth (laughs) withdrawal? Like, what do you feel? How was it those first few
1: days? So, it's it's sleep. Mm -hmm. It's sleep. Uh, When I had to withdraw in jail, same thing. The first two weeks are just, you're so tired. How's your, like emotional state oh roller coaster so (laughs) (laughs) funny you ask that so I was mad um I was I called my parents they refused to help me I was mad I was so mad (laughs) I don't think I've told you this before ever so I was so mad that they wouldn't help me I went to their house I asked for help they refused to help me I went to the dollar store and I bought you know those giant um, brightly colored neon posters right uh-huh. the big ones and I bought two of them and I bought those big black markers and I wrote all of our family business like <laughs> like, <laughs> like all the skeletons in the closet like like this and that and you know my mom still supports my sisters who are using drugs and they're drug addicts and I'm clean and my parents will help me and I, talk about ego and brat like i Filled that out, and I stuck those things underneath my windshield, and I parked in front of my parents' house to let all the neighbors drive by and read that shit. Wow. Just try to get my parents to tell me I was that mad.
0: That's creative.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you give me me ideas for when I'm upset. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was awful And like They called the cops on me The cops knocked on my window They were like What are you doing ma'am I said I am peacefully protesting I, I did not get taken I did not get taken to jail Because I wasn't fighting it um, But they lied to the court And they actually filed The restraining order on me Which didn't stick I fought it And it got reversed but um and it's hard to fight a restraining order right unless they were lying and they admitted mm-hmm. they were um just to get me out from front of the house but um my they called my parents called my po again and my po calls me ever what are you doing <laughs> i'm peacefully protesting you know like um i was angry i was so mad um i finally i went to the hospital because again i had covid um, and they told me about this COVID shelter that I could go to and stay at for a couple weeks. And I went to that shelter and I decided that, um, I was going to stay there. I was going to leave so many times. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Cause you couldn't come and go from the shelter. They just gave you a room that you could sleep in and they fed you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that was it. So many times I fought with myself. Well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go, get hi, I'm going to, you know, make this money and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to run. Like that was, that was my plan. And so many times I just fought and prayed and fought with God. And it was like, stop. I just remember one night, um, I was at the shelter. I'm going to start crying. Um, and this girl that worked at the shelter, um, was outside smoking a cigarette and I was outside smoking with her and, um, I had my mask on and I was kind of far away. And, um, she was like, um, telling me the story about how she was a peer it was a the shelter was run by community bridges by CBI and she was like girl i i was homeless just like you and i was in your position and she's like you should try to get a job as a peer support you should try to work here and i was like i have felonies she's like girl everybody here has felonies like it's <laughs> not going to matter um you know that was the reason what was one of the reasons why i started using when i got out of jail was because um i applied at amazon of all places and they ran my background and amazon wouldn't hire me and i was like if Amazon won't hire me. Like nobody's going to hire me. Amazon's like the easiest place to get a job at the, you know, at the warehouse. Cause it's a hard, it's a hard job. Um, so that's why I had gone back out right after jail, but she was like, come be a peer support, apply, do all the things. So I didn't end up leaving that night. And I went back up to my room and I just remember like, I had a plan like that was just a little, little bit of hope that I had. Um, fast forward a month or two later, I'm still in a homeless shelter, but this time it's not a COVID one and I, I'm not sick. Um, and I just remember having, I went to, uh, uh I don't remember what it is Aurora or one of the places that has like a employment specialist that helps you it's like a free service guys like employment specialist that will help you um, create a resume and will help mm. you apply to jobs and I had her help me because I didn't have a computer or anything at that time I just had my phone and it's hard to do mm. a resume on your phone you Absolutely. know <laughs> and so she helped me apply to CBI and a week later they called me and I had an interview and I ended, they ended up hiring me and I wouldn't recommend it but they, <laughs> they require a certain amount of time to be sober mm-hmm. for you to do it but I mean if you just pass that drug test like you know and i was able to like sit with people that were homeless and were going through it every day and like i swear on um, and it was a crisis floor like that's what kept me sober for like the first 9 months 10 months of my sobriety just being with those people every day and seeing what i was at the very beginning of my sobriety so
0: <laughs> so, girl, you got a job, and and how long were you sober in there? Like, how? What was when I it? first got the job yeah, there, like how? Um, so, how long so sober were you?
1: I, I, my sobriety date's uh, January twenty first. I got the job. Um, my very first day was on the 23rd of March, so I was two months. Just Damn, two girl, months. she don't mess
0: around. <laughs> she get the gig real quick. Don't tell
1: CBI that. Yeah, no, that's no, super cool, though. But, yeah, but they, and when I got the job there, they helped me get my peer support certification. They helped me get my BHT certification, and, you know, by the time I was there seven months, I already had a job offer at a really nice uh, rehab facility, so it and then when i got there um there were some people there that were involved in you know cocaine anonymous and ca and working their steps and um you know i was just really i was really unhappy uh in my sobriety at that point um and i just started i started doing my steps too mm-hmm.
0: um
1: and so for the past year i've been doing that and the difference between like sober at a, you know, sober and not working your steps, and sober and working your steps, and like being not even working your steps, just being part of a community and like getting out of yourself and like having a service commitment, whether it be like with you know Oxford House alumni or you know all the things. I kind of glazed over Oxford House, so maybe they're mad at me. I don't know. No, that's, <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe I. So, but yeah, it. Um, that's yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: No, that's interesting. I mean, like. I think it's pretty cool that you got a job like really early in your sobriety (laughs) and a really, really timely and perfect position to put you in Mm -hmm. to be helping in the front lines. Right. You're like you're seeing people just weak at their lowest and struggling and you're like helping them. Right.
1: Right. I could of anybody I could relate because I was just there Mm -hmm. like I hadn't forgotten any part of being where you are. Like, I haven't forgotten any part of, like, trying to figure out how to get my clothes washed, how to take a shower. Like, I remember having, um, you know, at Planet Fitness, I had a membership so I could go take a shower in the morning Mm. before work, you know. Um, But, yeah, uh, I guess I should get into sober living. I don't know. Maybe. Whatever you want. Okay. So, I don't know. Um, So, my first day... I start at CBI, right? Um, there's this girl sitting next to me. And um, I she had said something and she found out that I was staying in a homeless shelter. And she was like, you should really get into sober living. And I'm like, I don't, you know, that's. To me, sober living was like a way to find a new connect. (laughs) Like sober living was a way to like find more drugs, like Mm -hmm. to live with people that did drugs like Loki, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really understand sober living or the concept of it. And she was like, no, it's not like that at my house. So uh, we're in Mesa in training, right? In the like Dobson Ranch area, we're training at the main CBI office. And she's like, oh, I live in this house and I'm thinking it's somewhere in Mesa and I do the application for Oxford House Online, and I'm like, okay. And then um, I get a phone call, and I get voted into the house And that day. And so I'm like, by the way, where is this house? I didn't even ask where it was, and so she gave me the address. It's literally two streets over from my, my kid and my parents all the way in Peoria. Like, one to, like, 500 feet directly across the street from my parents. So I was able to, while I was in sober living, I was able to spend a lot of time with my kid, He would walk over to my, to the house after work. We would do his homework. Like it was, it was like, that was the other God shot. We had put me right next to my child.
0: Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of uh, (laughs) trends and orchestrated things that I would perceive from like something bigger than us. Right. So how is your, how is your connection with your higher power? How would you describe it?
1: Oh my gosh. On a daily basis. Less than I'd want it to be at times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's funny. It's like, I'm I'm always, I'm always trying to figure everything out on my own before I ask anybody for help. I have a hard time asking for help, let alone like not being able to see like a God, you know, Mm -hmm. and not remembering that, Hey, you know, this higher power is there for you. You know, Mm -hmm. I have an issue with that. Like, um, the God that I grew up with, I grew up in like Christian household. I went to Christian church camp for like seven years in a row. Like, um... That's not my higher power. Like, I know that's, um, my parents, if they ever listen to this, they'll be like, uh, (laughs) like I'm, I don't believe in the, like the Jesus God. Um, I believe Jesus was a very awesome person. Like he did exist. Um, but my higher power, I don't, I don't want to know. Like I believe that my higher power is love, like essentially like the essence of love, and just knowing that and not trying to figure it out, just believing that there is a higher power and there's something there is enough for me, and that enough for me has provided me all these opportunities and got me got me my two years sober got me where I am right now. So that's
0: so beautiful. I relate to that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I could do better with my higher power too, Trace, <laughs> but I especially like. Cause I've been trying to get sober for a long time, and the first time that I was trying to get sober, my higher power. By the way, if y'all hear my pug, it's, it's gonna be all right. We got the pug and the dog. My higher power was so prominent, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it is. I just know that the way things orchestrated itself throughout those throughout my entire life, honestly, like I'm able to see that there's something out there that's that's helping me out, and I love that you say. You, you bring it to an essence of love because I think that that's what it is. I really think that everything good, everything ultimately that you want to uh, like surpass wins through love. Like love is, I know I'm so cheesy, y'all. <laughs> but it's I really not. think, bitch, that love is the fucking answer, ho. Like it really is. Like if you think about it, right? Like if you're upset with someone, I, I play around with my husband I'm like <laughs> Lead with love <laughs> Because like If I'm leading with love That means I'm not gonna try to like Bite you in the ass You know like I'm not gonna be resentful I'm not gonna be spiteful I'm leading with love So ultimately I'm making the next right decision Because it's based out of love And I think love It's just a beautiful thing And it's so holistic too like it's in everything so I like that you tie to that with like your sobriety because I think that's super cool
1: yeah and like right now like yes I'm sober but I'm I'm reworking my steps again and you know I'm really I'm really good at loving other people right mm-hmm. but I suck at loving myself mm-hmm. so like my new thing is um, like my new mantra I've already forgot it oh my god me and my sponsor were just talking about it yesterday is um oh gosh my brain it's okay baby it's
0: okay. <laughs> hi queenie that's oh yeah boy. look
1: at yourself through the eyes of love beautiful yeah oh yeah so you got a man <laughs> i do right now yes <laughs> you got a man girl <laughs> i knew it was gonna happen how'd that go though like because that's a whole nother thing you know oh um, gosh um it's, so this, I'm in my first relationship in sobriety, mm. um, and it's different. It's so different. Um, every relationship I've had, um, you know, I've, it, I don't know if it really was, like, to love the other person. I just needed that love back. It, the purpose was, like, very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected them to, like, meet my needs. I expected them to comfort me. I expected, that's what I expected a relationship to be. But in sobriety, it's so different. It's like... You have to like take care of yourself, and then they take care of themselves, mm. and then you come together and like add to the other person's life. You don't take from the other person, and it's, it are it's new, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's new, um, but uh, it's different, and it's 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 cool. Like wanting something but not needing it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: That's a very important topic, and a lot of people in because on like my social medias they know that. I literally got in my first relationship like 13 days clean and um, it was very frowned upon and even now like I can say I am in that stance that it's probably not the best idea in the sense that it can be challenging and it really heavily depends on who the other person is because when I like it was also my first sober relationship So it magnified all of my insecurities. It really, like, just put me in this place where I'm like, like you said, right? Like, okay, like, am I just wanting him because I want him to make me feel good? And, like, I was seeing how selfish I was. And it was really hard. It was, like, the first time that not only I was learning to love who I was, but I was trying to love someone else and that was so fucking challenging because I had to like in think of myself more independently and that wasn't how I thought about it in the past. Every time I was with a man it's like this everything together, right? They became my identity. So I had Mm -hmm. to like mediate that like okay I love him but we're still separate and I have to understand what that means to me and what that means to him. Uh, He could tell you stories. (laughs) I'm still toxic, but it was really, really bad, bitch, in the beginning. Like, it's just, it was so different. It was new. Yeah, that
1: makes sense, though, because you're already, like, dealing with feelings for the first time since things yeah. so. like you numb yourself, and now you have all these feelings, and now you have all these, like, elevated feelings, in yeah. addition to just the feelings that you haven't already taken care of, so that, it makes sense why they tell you not to do it, it really does. in sobriety, you know? So,
0: girl, I was crying in the parking lot of a Home Depot,
1: <laughs> like, ugly crying, mm-hmm. and it was
0: because he didn't, like, <sighs> that's so embarrassing, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He, he, my, my husband is more like just, he's gone better, but like, as in we've gotten better to please, like kind of work together. Right. Cause I'm more like, I need all your attention. Like, how dare you not think about me when you wake the fuck up, you know, very that. <laughs> and I don't know, I was causing a stunt and I was just ugly crying in the back of a Home Depot, like screaming and crying. and it, And it just really reminded me, it put me in a place where I'm like. I'm almost like looking at this person as if they were my drug. Like when they pay attention to me in a certain way, it like elevates me. And it reminded me of like when I used to like wait for the fucking plug to get back at me. <laughs> I'm like, Bitch, what is taking your ass so fucking long? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think you're in a really good place too because one, I know the person you with. I mean, he yeah, I or whatever, but. <laughs> really cool and i think also you're real from what it's from what i hear it's you're it's apparent that you obviously work with steps and i think that's super powerful to have to resort to something that requires inner work and like also having that ability to have a soundboard and be have that awareness right because i think that's super super important Would you say that kind of helps you like bring everything back like doing the steps and being involved in that
1: way oh my gosh i think like i think no matter if you are an addict i think no matter if you're codependent i think no matter like no matter what everybody could benefit from doing some kind Mm. of step work um just because you're looking within and you're dealing with things that you don't want to deal with and none of that is really good like suppressing that kind of stuff um it's gonna come out over and over again the same issues that you have um you're gonna you're gonna constantly become like, upset about things over. It's gonna be coming from the same place, too. We're gonna, we constantly get upset about the same things over and over again until you fix what's going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the steps would help anybody, no matter what.
0: What has so. been one of the most uh, powerful moments within your journey of participating in the 12 steps? Like, what was, can you think of a moment that you're like,
1: um, wow? So, not a particular moment, but I think that. With my sponsees, like helping them through the steps and seeing like that light turn on, like the aha moment where like they like something happens where they start to get it and they don't have to call me like every moment of every day and like they come back to me with things and they like teach me things you know or just like the gra- like they go from like being super upset at the very beginning to like showing gratitude just like the progress that i see in them that i don't necessarily or i didn't necessarily see in myself watching somebody else do it and then knowing that you were a part of that or that you you know helped them through it to to like get them going it that's like the biggest reward i think or like the biggest turning moment it's like you don't and then you're doing steps with them and then you're thinking to yourself hey did i do that right you know like you're you're like oh i thought of something that i might still be resentful for you know um just but like mirroring it through your sponsors like that's like that's a really big part a really big turning point for my recovery was starting to sponsor people
0: yeah it sounds really rewarding and it's obviously a very very selfless act to be so available and just willing to, to be that type of guy for someone who needs it. And I think it's also like a really great way to, again, keep you aware and keep you really solidified in your recovery, right?
1: I mean, the, yeah, the, just having that accountability, mm. you know, because you, you can fail to show up for yourself and nobody cares, right? Mm-hmm. But if you fail to show up for another person— Mm -hmm. it's like the accountability is is there with having sponsors for Mm -hmm. sure yeah
0: so what are some other things that so being a sponsor and giving back in that way definitely helps your heart right and and keeps you in a good place what are other ways that you kind of like work on or participate in to keep you afloat and recovery because it's obviously not easy so
1: no it's not um I mean, just, I, I work in recovery, so, Mm. like, that's, like, a huge thing for me. I don't, I don't think I could do anything else at this point. Um, Just daily, um, again, meeting the people that are brand new and um, showing up for them and and getting them on the right path and, like, seeing their little, even if they're small wins. Or spending time with them and listening to their stories. Um, Seeing, you know how similar people are again with or with even if they're strictly mental health clients, um, just seeing the similarities that we all struggle with, Mm -hmm. you know, it's working with other human beings, having that connection. Like, even if I don't go to a meeting, like just connecting with people on a daily basis, um, not just, Hey, how are you? But like actually asking, no, like really like what's going on with you, um, service work, um, Mm -hmm alumni work you know that stuff is super important to me
0: and helps out that's cool yeah, yeah i think those have one have been some of the things that organically make me feel a uh, sober high is when i am not thinking about myself or when i'm being a part of and i think connection has always been one of those very strong things that has always kept me even while i was relapsing like back in that like i want to be I want to be sober, right? So okay. So you went. So you got a job in, in, in the detox, and then you went to a sober living.
1: I went to. Oh, you mean like I lived at a sober living? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you you lived in there. Mm-hmm.
1: And how was that experience? In in the sober living i it was it was when i wasn't working my steps but that you're like supposed to, yeah you're like so you're supposed to get a sponsor right you're supposed to work your steps um i didn't i you know i was my ego was like you can do your steps on your own so i printed out a you know a workbook a packet and I, I know i was working my steps on the packet Same. i i work nights i don't have time for a sponsor you know super super living in my ego and selfish and um sober living was hard mm-hmm. it was really hard especially when you're in a sober living that people like aren't really actually working the steps or practicing love and tolerance. Well, that and, could be a shit show <laughs> especially 10 girls in a house you know it's like um but you know some of those relationships most of those relationships i you know still talk to those girls today um you know being a part of that house and i think that's why i decided to join the alumni for my sober living is because um I wanted to help houses, not uh, girls, not have to feel that way in a house and show them like the solution. Like there was, a, there was a solution to like you not living the shitty life. And so we're living and that's, you know, practicing love and tolerance and, and working the steps. So, um, I started giving time back to the house, going to their meetings, trying to help them through, um, offering, you know, being a sponsor I have right now, I have three in, uh, Oxford house, three sponsees in Oxford house right now, but, um, And then another three other places, but, um, yeah, it's sober living did that. And then working on the crisis floor at the same time, uh, night shift was interesting. So
0: it's been quite (laughs) an evolution for you Mm -hmm. within these past two years.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two long and short years at the same time. It's crazy Um,
0: how quickly your life can change,
1: right? so fast like i went from i had a broke down car like it wasn't passing emissions living in the car you know having a storage unit um that i could you know somehow paid for um to you know living at cbi living in sober living you know getting a peer support vht certification within those eight it was my first eight months that i got that and then moving over to an actual like private pay rehab for a year um, and, and moved into my own apartment when I went there and then now just a couple months ago was able to move into a condo mm-hmm. and move into a case manager position at another rehab so with, yeah.
0: with, with your son <laughs> she got a man too she got her own place
1: so shout out to Scottsdale Providence
0: hey. and, um, and Sequoia Behavioral shout so. out to Sequoia <laughs> shout out to dams no, that's super cool like I've known you for a while and um you, you just have such a beautiful soul and it's crazy like getting to know you in this way and seeing how much evolution you've gone through in two years it's insane you mm-hmm. know I love I feel like we're very similar <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm getting to know you a little better
1: you guys don't see our text messages uh, yeah we're oh like my.
0: very into it <laughs> um, but yeah you just have so much love to give and how does it feel also being a mom? I always think that's such a
1: oh my gosh.
0: beautiful thing. Like, to, I wish, I I mean, hope coming soon. Um, <laughs> I want to be a parent one day and I just... Well, how, just, just tell me how it is. How, how do you oh feel being gosh. a mom?
1: So my son is the... Uh, he's so easy. Like I, I really lucked out with him. Um, he, he's 17 now, so he's self-sufficient. Um, but you know, I had to deal with like in early sobriety, not being able to take care of him. And then when, when we did move into our own apartment together, it was like, um, I had to go through like stages where i had to get rid of the guilty parenting like Mm -hmm. as a (laughs) because you know like you go into sobriety and you're not a parent for so long and you now you're a parent now you know i got my son back and all of a sudden you have all this guilt and shame for through parenting and you want to give them whatever they need and whatever they want and it's like you have to get through a period of time where they're mad at you because like you got to do it the right way now and they're not happy because you let it go on for so long i let it go on for so long um, so now um, he's 17. He just a couple weeks ago he took his first city bus ride on the city bus um, because I wasn't able to get off work to be able to take him to school that in the morning. Um, and that's that's a lot. Like there's a lot that you have to catch up on after not being a parent for so long, and then all of a sudden, you know, being a parent. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. Um, he understands mom is in recovery. He, I mean, he understands. I was. Um, honest with him when I was using mm-hmm. you know um, it's just something that I might not have I sh- but by the time I was I went to jail and I had to explain to him I was leaving for six months he was already 15 years old so um, you know I had to tell him you know mom was selling drugs mom was caught with drugs and this is why mom's going to jail but now it's like um, he's really good he sits home he plays video games he plays on on the computer he does chat rooms with his friends like he's a great kid that's cool. Yeah.
0: That's a real thing, too. Like, I'm obviously not a parent, but, um, well, I got my baby over here. <laughs> but, like, I, like, was, I feel a lot of guilt, like, obviously with, like, my mom, because I fucking put her through some shit. But also, like, uh, my little brother, because I was still his video games and pawn him. Shout out to you, boo. <laughs> and, like, my little sister, right? Because she had, to like, see me eye and, like, all this shit. And, like, now I notice, like... Like, my little brother will call me for something, and I'll be like, yes, yes, whatever you want. Like, and I notice, like, with uh, my husband, like, I do notice that he does feel, like, that guilt with his son. Um, so, it's definitely a real thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's beautiful now, though, like, for me, being able to attend my little brother's graduation sober— was boring um but it was i was in there and i was like i cannot believe that i'm here right now and that i'm not high like because i would always have to be high for those things and it like warmed my heart so like just think you when it when i hear you you, uh, when i heard you speak on like just taking your son to like the do the city bus thing and
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, we went on the whole route together before he actually did it by himself. Like, I took him all the way there and all the way back just to make sure he got off at the right place.
0: And that's beautiful. Like, you're there for him. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah, because, <laughs> I, 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 you know, my dad's still out there doing his thing. So, like, I admire parents that they're just there for their kids, you know, and, and I know when it comes to addiction, it can be a. A tricky thing, so I always just, I always just admire that, and and I'm glad of that I, I'm happy to see that you're, with him and showing him love and being supportive, and just spreading love wherever you go, <laughs> with your man too. I know you be spreading all that love too. <laughs> Shout out to your man. I mean, he okay or whatever. I know he's so mad because I'm this close to her right now. <laughs> It's so crazy though, like how things happen organically. Like mm-hmm. you didn't see it coming, huh? No, no,
1: no. Nathan did. He <laughs> he said it all. He set that whole thing up. I swear to God. No, I mean, I don't know how, but he it happened. Yeah.
0: And how does it? How does it feel like being in love, or are you in love? Sorry, I just jumped the gun.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like. You tell all your friends in sobriety, like, I love you, like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it, it's like, it's like you have love for somebody, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Like, in sobriety, like, what is, like, mm-hmm. what is love? Like, is it okay to say it? And, like, that's, like, a culture thing, you know? Like, it probably has no weight at all in the grand scheme of things. But, like, it's, we haven't said it yet, so.
0: No, yeah, love <laughs> is, there's so many layers to it, and I like being in love and and sobriety it's so different it's cool you learn a lot about yourself oh for sure Um, so it's definitely a lesson in itself and I don't know I just think it's super cool and like I don't know I think it's cool going from trap houses to you know (laughs) being in your own place and just doing the next right thing so I think it's super cool so my last I have a few more questions but the last one is one of the last ones is what kind of advice do you have for someone that may be in their car right now, maybe in the bed withdrawing, and they want to, but they think it's impossible to be where you're at right now?
1: Yeah, that's relatable. Um, I mean, the truth is, is that there is a solution, and it's not going to be an easy one, but it is so worth it. Like. Um, and it's literally you You don't have to look at it like hey like i have to get sober for the rest of my life it's hey like i have to be sober tomorrow and today like mm-hmm. or just for today right um so if you just look at it like a day ahead of time you know just for the next 24 hours i love that yeah
0: i love that i i, I agree i say i'm just staying sober for today I ain't got to worry about tomorrow, yet. you know, mm-hmm. like I ain't got to because it's such a like heavy undertaking. It's, oh, my God. <laughs> oh Goddamn. I ain't going to lose for a long time. But each day, each second that passes by, like evolution happens and the more just beautiful things start going on, like the longer you stay sober and it just really takes that next right step towards the right direction to completely Change your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like now you have options. Now, like after this, we're probably gonna go eat. You know what I mean? Maybe the <laughs> casino. I don't know. Like just, yeah. it's cool.
1: And you don't have to have money to go to rehab. Yeah. Like that,
0: oh my god, thank you for saying yeah, that. The
1: problem, like that, like people, like there are programs out there. There are grants out there that you don't need money to go to rehab. Like there, there's like a federal grant that they, they give you, and also if you don't qualify for access, of course, but. Um, yeah and you can go and you just need to reach out for help reach out to the right people there's that um, I don't know gosh there's that um, <sighs> It's not nine one one. It's the other one. Four one one. I no, now I don't know. <laughs> it's not 4-1-1. Two, yeah, two one one will definitely get <laughs> you resources for housing, but they may also have. But like, like, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody in the community. If you call one rehab, they'll have the information for the one that'll have that'll take your insurance. They'll have the re, they'll have the resources. So just call one rehab, and they'll have the resources for the people that take your insurance. Or if you don't have insurance, they'll have the resources for that too. So just pick one. And somebody will... Somebody will have the thing. I, I ran into an issue where I was calling, 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 trying to call 2 one trying to call this and that, but what I wasn't doing is I wasn't calling the rehab. So I was thinking, like, hey, I'm just going to go straight to sober living. Like, mm-hmm. it's all going to work out, but, like, you know, that's where it needs to start. For me, it was a little bit different because I was so afraid of going back to jail, and I wasn't using anything that I needed to detox from. That was, like, the difference with mine, I think, but, um, yeah, if there's something that you need to detox from, like, do it safely, you know, with... Uh, Uh, with professionals and stuff yeah and take it one day at a time
0: yeah like i i definitely well because when i was trying to get into rehab it was different but now it's i i hear from my partner too that it's just there's way more resources so definitely just ask Mm -hmm. and just be straight up just be like listen this is where i'm at i need some guidance to get here like because sometimes that's like one of the things that held me back, too, was, like, I don't know how to fucking talk to them or, like, what do I fucking say? Just call the ass mm-hmm. and be like, listen, like, I want to get clean right now. Like, how, how could you tell me what to do? Like, how do I do this? You know Yeah, what I mean?
1: make a few phone calls. Like, give yourself a chance. You know, that's what I would tell them.
0: And ain't nothing wrong with you, baby. If you want to change, you're already on the right path. You is already on the right motherfucking mm-hmm. path. Any last words? Mm-hmm
1: no I'm hungry let's go
0: I know <laughs> alright well thank you so much I, I really have so much love for you and um, I really appreciate you thanks so, for having me thank you and that's a wrap y'all bye
1: <laughs> see that was easy girl <laughs> that was easy yeah after